The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We've learned to hide our true feelings and emotions from the view of the outside world for fear of being seen as weak, undeserving, or not enough. While this strategy works well for a while, many of us are realizing it is not a sustainable way to continue living life, especially when there is so much that we want to achieve, create, and contribute. Welcome to Stories from the Heart of Leadership with Shameen Sadiq. In this program, you'll hear from Shameen and her guests about what it's like to face these fears head-on and courageously share emotion, vulnerability, and experience in service of creating connection, resilience, and extraordinary results. Now, here's your host, Shameen Sadiq. Hello, and welcome to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. I'm your host, Shameen Sadiq, and our topic for today is For the Sake of the Children. I want to tell you something about this topic. It's amazing how things become so timely. I envisioned doing this show. I actually planned this show a few weeks ago and articulated what I wanted to talk about in the episode and what it would be about. And between that time and now, many things have unfolded on a world level that make this topic even more imperative. So I'm really delighted to be speaking with you about it today. I want to say as well that I feel quite passionate and emotional about this topic. And so if you hear that in my voice, it's because uh, I'm speaking straight from the heart. But I want to begin as we always have been in recent episodes by just spending a few minutes sitting together. I think that will help us to be grounded so that we can be in this conversation together Even though I'm speaking and you're listening, I do hold that we're in this conversation together and I raise things to encourage you to think about them and in the hopes that it will provoke or or, um, foster a deeper conversation that you have with yourself, with others in your life, and maybe even on a larger scale. So we'll begin by sitting and as we have been doing in previous weeks, I invite you to sit with your feet flat on the floor, to place your palms down on the tops of your knees or thighs, wherever it's comfortable, to sit up straight in your seat with a strong back but a soft open front. This is about being dignified and sitting up straight but not about being so rigid that our hearts are closed because we're going to need open hearts if we're to deal with the situation at hand. So, and now that you're seated in that, in that comfortable but dignified position, I invite you to either close your eyes or direct your gaze to the floor about four to six feet in front of you. Again, just wherever is comfortable. And take a moment now to take a couple of breaths and just tune into your body. Just breathing in and breathing out. 
And just notice your feet on the floor. Notice your knees, how they feel today. Take another breath, if you haven't already. Bring your awareness to your hips, your bottom on the seat, just feeling yourself sitting on the seat that you're sitting on. And bringing your awareness again as you continue to breathe, just scanning up through your body. Bring your awareness to your belly, to your back, and your chest. Just notice, is it tight? Is it anxious? Has my passionate beginning activated anything in your chest area? Tightness, anxiety, excitement, heartfeltness, whatever it is, just noticing. And continuing to draw your awareness upward through your neck and shoulders into your head. Good. And just taking a baseline. How is my body feeling in this moment? And as we sit together, I invite you again to bring your awareness back to the floor, back to your feet, resting on the floor. And just imagine as we sit here breathing, breathing at your regular pace, just imagine that your feet can connect to the earth. No matter how many floors up you are, imagine that there's almost like a a vine or a network of of leaves or branches that can radiate out from your feet into the floor and make contact with the earth. If we're going to be grounded, we're going to need to connect to the earth. And so this is one way to do that. Good. And just imagining as you tap into the earth that you can release all the tension of the day all of the worries and concerns and loads you're carrying, just let them down, let them release down through your feet into the earth. Perhaps you'll take an inhale and a, a big exhale just to let that stuff go. You can pick it up later. It'll always be there for you. But for now, just let it make its way out of you and see if you can create some space to allow what's good and nourishing from the earth to make its way up into your body, into your field, into your awareness. And just imagine that that energy can make its way up through those branches or vines that you've extended down into the earth. Imagine that that energy is now filling your body from the feet all the way up. And just giving yourself a, a flush with good source energy from the earth. Almost like you're a sponge in a clear stream of water, just soaking up all that pureness, that energy, that light. And if this is something you've never done before and you think it's kind of silly, that's okay. It's just an experiment. Give it a try. See what happens. Maybe nothing, maybe something. It's all good. Good. And allowing that nourishing energy from the earth to make its way all the way up through your feet, all the way up into your body, filling every part of you until you feel that you're filled right to the top of your head. 
Good. And we'll just sit here for a moment and enjoy the feeling of connecting to the earth, of letting our worries be rested for a moment, pause from the busyness of everyday life to just sit here together and ground and connect. And I want you to imagine now that we're like aspen trees. I'm looking at a beautiful photograph in my office that I took in the mountains in Utah of the aspen trees. And I, I'd never really known this about these trees before, but they, they're connected. Their roots are connected. Apparently they share the same root system. So they look like individual trees when we look at them, but they're actually all connected to each other underneath the surface. And I believe that is true of all of us human beings. And we might think that we're different, that we're separate, that we're alone, or that we're the only ones. But actually, if we dig a little deeper, we're all connected inextricably to each other. Good. And just taking another couple of breaths here before we come back to the topic at hand, join the conversation, and let this few minutes of sitting together and grounding come to a close. And as we do bring this part of our time together to a close, I want you to remember that you can tap into this anytime you like. You can re-listen to the show and listen to these first few minutes to have the experience again. You can download a grounding visualization that I have available for all of you for free from my website. That's anjaliliadership.com. Or you can simply sit down, place your feet, feet flat on the floor, and imagine that you are connecting to the earth and connecting to this root system that we all share. You can do that without any help from me whatsoever. So know that it's there for you anytime you need it. And now just beginning to move your body a little bit, wiggling your fingers and toes and maybe rolling your shoulders and taking a deep breath, maybe raising your arms up overhead just to wake up and come back into the present time and the present moment and leave that moment of reflection and respite for now knowing you can return to that anytime you like. Good. Thank you for being willing to experiment with that every week when we start our time together. So the topic for today, for the sake of the children, let me read what I wrote a couple of weeks ago. Leadership is not limited to the boardroom, the office, the client meetings, or the networking functions. It includes how we conduct ourselves at home with our spouses, children, and other family members. And yes, it includes how we conduct ourselves with those with whom we are in dispute. This week, we will talk about leadership as it pertains to our role in fostering the best for our children, especially when we are having issues in our relationship with their other parent. Having navigated the separation with my former spouse with dignity and grace, 
I'm often shocked when I witness how other separating couples behave and am dismayed by how blind they seem to be to the impact it is having on their children. Let's take on this challenging topic together today for the sake of the children. And so I want to begin on that level, on a very personal level, on the one-to-one level, at the family level. I, I, I mentioned that I was fortunate to have navigated my own separation from my ex-husband with ease and grace and dignity. And I want to say as well that it wasn't all that way. So in case you think I'm perfect and we didn't have any disputes, that's not true. Not true at all. But what we were able to do was we were able to agree that the most important thing coming out of this was the wellness of our children, the well-being of our children, that we wanted the best for them. And even though we were in agreement that remaining together was not best for them, we would not make them pawns in a fight between the two of us. And so with that intention clearly stated, shared, and in mind, we navigated the separation. We used the assistance of a relationship coach who is skilled at helping relationships thrive. And here's the thing. The relationship is thriving. It just looks different than it did before. It's no longer two parents living together in a home with two children. It is one family with two parents living in two separate homes uh, that sometimes have the children and sometimes don't. We're very aligned on who we are as parents and how we want to be with our children. And although we don't agree on everything, we've continued to navigate with the best for them in mind all the time. So not perfect, but as an intention, it's a very strong uh, anchor to guide us as we navigate. I have watched and witnessed firsthand how parents who are separating or separated continue to use their children as pawns in a game of power, uh, power struggle, a war between parents, how the desire for revenge and making him pay or making her pay, um, uh, flushing that person out of existence has impacted the children involved. I've heard from teachers at schools about the impact that that has on the children. And I beseech you, if you are a parent who is in the process of separating or in a dispute with your spouse or have separated and are still working out the details or are finished with all of that but still fight, I beseech you to seek some some help to navigate this in a different way. For the sake of your children, this is not good for children. It is not good. It teaches them that they're not safe. It teaches them that the ground they're standing on is unsteady and and shaking all the time. It doesn't create a container of love for them to trust and and feel safe in. Um, it also teaches them that really teaches them something terrible about relationships that they can't trust another person. Because when they see you behaving in that way, they think that that's how all people behave. So I, I ask you with, from the bottom of my heart, if you are in this position to pause, um, send me an email. I can refer you to 
qualified relationship coaches who are very, very good at helping couples deal with these sorts of scenarios. I myself am one of those people and may be able to help you as well. And maybe there are some group sessions that you could attend that myself or one of my colleagues is leading that will be helpful. But please, please don't try to navigate this by yourself if you're having difficulties. I don't know the extent of, of everybody's situation, and I know that there are many situations that are worse than others. I'm not speaking about the um, extremes here. I'm talking about the everyday things that I observe where children are frightened by their parents screaming at each other. Children uh, feel a need to align with one parent or another or to play both sides. Uh, children are taken off course from where they were headed. Uh, you know, they can't focus at school. They can't uh, build relationships with others because they're always feeling so uncertain and insecure. That's what I'm talking about. And I don't want that for your children. I, I don't want it for mine. And I don't want it for yours. And I, I beg you to please pause and think about what you're doing and seek some help. So if you want to reach out to me, I'm a great um, person to talk to first, and I can point you to other resources because I'm very well connected. My email address, Shamin, that's S-H-A-H-M-E-E-N, at AnjaliLeadership.com. That's A-N-J-A-L-I Leadership.com. If you're listening on the Voice America Empowerment Channel right now, you can look at my show page. And if you go down, scroll down the page, there's a, a section on the right-hand side near the bottom that says Show Links. And if you just link to Anjali Leadership, that's my website, and you can send me an email from there. So these are the ways in which you can reach out for some help, and I'm sure you have other resources in your community that you can uh, turn to. But please, please um, take this to heart if, for the sake of your children. We're about to take a break, and when we come back, I want to talk about this more on a world channel. Because what's happening in our homes is only magnified and reflected uh, when we start to take a larger and larger view of things. So let's take a short break. And when we come back more for the sake of the children, we'll look at this from a world channel. Thanks so much. I'll be right back. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Hello, I'm Shamin Sadiq, the founder and CEO of Anjali Leadership. Anjali means heartfelt offering, and it's no accident that my company is named this way, as our work comes straight from the heart. I spent years working within organizations where well-intentioned leaders somehow managed to create more frustration and disappointment than anything else. You know what? I was one of those leaders, and I yearned for something better, but didn't know what it would look like or how to make it happen. Fortunately, I do know now. At Anjali Leadership, we specialize in helping you climb out of these limiting patterns of behavior so that you can pour your energy and passion into creating the vision results, and business performance you've been striving for since the beginning. If you want to learn more, visit anjaliLeadership.com. Ready to work with us? Go to anjaliLeadership.com and let's get started. 
We're all living in the moment, but you never know when life is going to take a unique turn. It doesn't have to be a challenge, but perhaps more of a detour to get where we need to be. On The Sky's the Limit, host Karen Levitt knows that experience, having faced it herself. Learn about her journey from a life-changing event to where she is now. Her guests are amazing people who are living these experiences and overcoming obstacles. Learn from their stories every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. If you have a question or comment, or just want to find out more about our program, please send Shameen an email. Her email address is shameen at anjaliLeadership.com. That's S-H-A-H-M-E-E-N at A-N-J-A-L-I Leadership.com. Now, back to stories from the heart of leadership. Welcome back to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. This is your host, Shamin Sadiq, and our topic today is For the Sake of the Children. I'm noticing that as I'm speaking with you today, I feel very passionate and very serious and quite sad. Uh, there's a, um, a purposefulness to this passion that I have around this topic of children and their well-being. And I think it has to do with a uh, kind of a, a mother archetype that I sometimes embody, <laughs> or I feel a great responsibility to, I don't know what the right word is, protect or stand up for, uh, take a stand for uh, the, the well-being of humanity, really, and, um, and especially children. So it will not surprise you to hear that when the photographs of the little boy, the little Syrian boy who drowned, and he is one of many people who drowned or have perished in their quest for freedom and for um, escaping the persecution that they face in their own countries. This happens all the time, but the picture of that little boy really hit me hard in my heart. And I was haunted by it for days. So um, I send so much love and, and light to his father and others who uh, surrounded him uh, in his life. And I also acknowledge that he's not the only one. But that picture is a representation of something that is very large and very pervasive and very problematic for me as someone who feels this way about the wellness and the well-being of children. And so it has moved me to want to speak about that. So it is, I only wanted to talk about children um, who are facing divorce, but I think it's important to talk about children on a planetary scale, on the worldwide scale. So looking at this through that world channel, I was um, interested to read something I, I read in the paper today, uh, in the Globe and Mail, today's Globe and Mail, and today um, I'm pre-recording the show, so you're going to hear it on September 14th, but it's September 9th. So if you want to look for this article, now you know what date to search for. And it was written by John Vallant, V-A-I-L-L-A-N-T, who's an author, a Canadian author. 
and he's written, um, I don't know his, his work, but it says he most recently wrote a book called The Jaguar's Children, a novel about illegal migration. So I assume this person uh, has an interest in this dynamic and this situation and is writing from his um, informed perspective. He said a few things that I found very interesting, and I wanted to read a little bit from his article to you. So um, I'm coming closer to the end of what he is saying because I'm thinking about this in the largest scheme of things. I don't want to focus so much on the particular situation in Syria. But what he says is, nonetheless, across North America, Europe, and Australia, conservative politicians are advocating for more fences and higher walls. This is magical thinking of a dangerous kind, like drawing the curtains when your neighbor's house is on fire. The magnitude of this man-made crisis, nearly 60 million people are now displaced by war, conflict, or persecution, is taking on the characteristics of a natural catastrophe, immune to public opinion or national boundaries, and overwhelming in its magnitude. Even with the most liberal of policies, the granting of asylum and the establishment of refugee camps, these are merely stopgap measures. And so, you know, again, these are the words of John, I think I'm saying his name wrong, but Valent, 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 or Valent. Uh, these are his words, but they really spoke to me so clearly about the situation. We cannot um, cut ourselves off from what we see around us. We must ask ourselves, you know, how, how am I contributing? How am I just like that? And what would it take for me to connect to what is happening around me on a, um, like the aspen trees, acknowledging that our roots are shared. We share our roots in the sense that we are all part of the same human family. I firmly believe that. And so he talks about some of the, the solutions, and he talks about that these uh, asylum and refugee camps as being necessary, but stopgap measures. And he says there is really only one truly effective solution. The home government's allowing, and in some cases engineering, these mass tragedies must be called to account. This, confronting the bullies and sociopaths who thrive on and profit from this chaos, and compelling them to extinguish the fires they've lit in their own homes, is the real work. And it will be one of the international communities and humanity's greatest tests in coming decades. I am so... Um, inspired by what he says. And I wonder if we could actually look at ways to, I'm not so interested in calling the people who have created these situations to account as much as I am interested in looking at an even more root cause. Why is it that we feel that we have to do this? And I know those of you who study economics and politics and all of the mechanical uh, features of living in current times will tell me there are many, many reasons. And I'm sure there's lots of science behind it. And there are lots of things we can point to. And I am not claiming to be an expert in any of those realms whatsoever. My interest is in what would be possible if we could connect to each other and relate to each other as members of the same human family? And how would that actually um, address the root of this? How would that contribute to the solution 
in addition to all of the other great things that are out there. And so I've been thinking a lot about that. I've been sitting with that. I've been asking myself, what can I do? I've been asking myself, you know, is it enough if, if every person contributed, I don't know, a few dollars, would that make a difference if everybody contributed um, opening their homes to people who are in need? Would that help? And I, I think those are all great ideas. But my, where, where can I be of service? Is the question I've been asking on a large, on a larger scale. I can be of service in many ways that are the work of my own hands, but what would be something bigger that my work could speak for and contribute to? And I've been sitting with that question, um, for a long time. Now, it wasn't just the, the awareness that sort of got raised by that picture last week that has started me thinking about this. In fact, I've been thinking about it for a, a lot longer than that. And it's a question that I think I've been asking myself, um, well, as much of my adult life as I can recall. And so remembering that my topic today is for the sake of the children, I want you to know that what I'm about to share with you is is all for the sake of the children, even if it doesn't feel directly related to children. Um, there is a belief that I have that I, I think uh, a poet, a um, German poet from the um, earlier centuries named Rainer Rilke says it best. So this is, this is what I have been feeling and learning, and he says it best. So let me quote from Letters to a Young Poet, which is um, a book that he wrote. Everything is gestation and then bringing forth to let each impression and each germ of a feeling come to completion wholly in itself, in the dark, in the inexpressible, the unconscious, beyond the reach of one's intelligence, and await with deep humility the birth hour of a new clarity. That alone is living the artist's life, in understanding as in creating. And so again, that quote is um, by Rainer Rilke from Letters to a Young Poet. And here's why I'm sharing it with you. I think that there are many ideas and um, visions that I and you <laughs> want to create, things that matter to us, and they need to they need to come forth in their own time. And sometimes many, many things can happen along the way that we think, oh, I'm not getting to that vision. I'm not really working towards that. How is this helping? And then later we might be able to see that this gestation that Rilke talks about is what is actually taking place. And so as I share this part of my story, I want you to know that that's how I'm holding it. I hold that everything that happens is um, generative, is additive, it adds to what comes next. And so anything that seems to be ending or finishing um, doesn't mean that if something ends, it doesn't mean it was a waste of time. So for example, when I talk about a marriage that is ending, um, it's not that it was a waste or that we shouldn't have done it. I mean, in my particular case, I'm, I'm so grateful to uh, the father of my children because we created these beautiful children together. And that was the purpose of us coming together. And maybe there was more of a purpose than that, and I'm just not aware of it at this moment. But at this moment, that's what I think the, the great thing is about that. Now the relationship is over, or the, at least the marriage part of the relationship is over. And um, it doesn't mean that it was a waste. 
We created beautiful children. I learned a lot about myself. I assume he learned something about himself and so on and so forth. So I really think about life. I, I When I can remember to think about life in this way, that is how I like to hold it, that things are unfolding and they're giving us experiences and learnings that we can then take forward into whatever is next. And so coming back to this world channel and the possible solutions to these problems, um, I think that I have something to offer. And it's been scary to really put it out there in plain sort of language. And then there are all sorts of other things that happen too, like, well, well, do you have a website for that yet? And the answer right now is no. Do you have a business uh, structure, business model for that? No, I can't say that I do. But I've been thinking about this for a long time and sitting with it, and it has been taking shape and form with me throughout that time. And I want to share more about it with you, and I'm going to. I'm just thinking about the best way to to bring it forward. So in this particular piece that I read to you um, by this author who writes about uh, migration, he says that the only truly effective solution is to call people to account. And I say, how can we call someone to account when um, we haven't addressed something even deeper than that. So I agree that calling people to account and people taking responsibility is part of the solution, but I think there's something deeper in play. And that's what I want to address is, and, and again, bringing it back to ourselves, it comes back to um, what makes me want to lash out at another person. Uh, usually it's fear. Um, it's uh, protection, like a concern that they're going to take something that belongs to me. Uh, it could be jealousy and um, uh, or envy. And those are all things that would make me want to do that. So, um, so how do I, so it, it's so easy to say, well, he's wrong or she's wrong or it's all their fault and just be mad at them and tell them they should change or, you know, go attack that person because you think they're wrong. But why did you get so um, um, charged up about it in the first place is my question. And the only answer I have comes from the exploration and journey of my own life. That's all I have to offer. But here it is. I, I think it's about resilience. I think it's about resilience. I think it's about self-awareness. But I think ultimately, when we don't have firm ground under our feet... It is very hard to navigate in a way that um, doesn't, you know, in, in a non-threatened way. So, again, coming back to this uh, thing about the children, when you fight with each other all the time and the children don't feel like they're standing on solid ground, they never know when something is going to happen. They don't trust that people are good. They are always worried. And I see this in children that are in my life. Uh, even my own from time to time, uh, where they're worried. They can feel the dynamic. They can feel that, okay, these parents are about to start fighting, or this is the kind of thing that's going to make mommy mad, so we better not do this, or dad's going to freak out if this happens, so I won't say anything about that. Um, when you're walking around so cautiously, watching everything, sort of walking on eggshells, you're not standing on solid ground. 
And when you're not standing on solid ground, then it's really easy to get knocked off center. Then all someone has to do is look at you the wrong way, say the wrong thing, um, do something that activates your feeling of insecurity or fear or anger or jealousy or rage, whatever it is, and off you go. So what if we could address that? What if we could replace the eggshells with a solid floor, something to stand on that's more solid? Now, I'm not saying that bad things won't happen. They do. Um, things go wrong. There is loss. There is pain. Life is not uh, always joyous and wonderful and easy and free-spirited. But what if we could build a firmer foundation so that we could be more resilient when those things do happen? That's the solution I have to offer, is to begin to build more resilience. And by building resilience, what, what I mean is building a firmer foundation to stand on and then building the capacity to take a few hits. Like, I'm going to get knocked over from time to time. Things are not going to turn out the way I want, but can I come back to that solid ground? So I'm not suggesting some some um, fairy tale where nothing bad ever happens because, yeah, in the real world, things go wrong and people get disappointed. But can we build enough of a foundation that we can almost be like those dolls uh, or that there was a toy um, called a Weeble, I think, when I was little. And I think the, the marketing, the, the little jingle was Weebles Wobble, but they don't fall down. Or those those dolls that also do that, they're on a rounded base. So when you push them down, you can hold it down for a minute. But as soon as you let go, it pops back up and writes itself. That's what I'm talking about. But we do that not by being round at the bottom, but by building a solid foundation to stand upon, something that we can come back to every time something happens, we can come back to that. And that's what I think we need. So we're about to take a break, but when we come back, I will talk more about my idea, uh, how I think I can help and what I'd like to invite you to consider in terms of a way forward. This is Stories from the Heart of Leadership. I'm your host, Shamin Sadiq, and I'll be right back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Hello, I'm Shamin Sadiq, the founder and CEO of Anjali Leadership. Anjali means heartfelt offering, and it's no accident that my company is named this way, as our work comes straight from the heart. I spent years working within organizations where well-intentioned leaders somehow managed to create more frustration and disappointment than anything else. You know what? I was one of those leaders, and I yearned for something better, but didn't know what it would look like or how to make it happen. Fortunately, I do know now. At Anjali Leadership, we specialize in helping you climb out of these limiting patterns of behavior so that you can pour your energy and passion into creating the vision, results, and business performance you've been striving for since the beginning. If you want to learn more, Visit anjaliadership.com. Ready to work with us? Go to anjaliadership.com and let's get started. Do you ever stop to question yourself? 
Is there more that you could be doing in your life to help you? How can you manifest real change in the world? The answers to these and other questions about ourselves lie in sustainability from within. Featuring host Silvelli Salviato, you can take the either or and change it into both and. If you want to make real changes in yourself, your life, and your world, you can't miss one show. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. If you have a question or comment, or just want to find out more about our program, please send Shamine an email. Her email address is shamine at anjaliLeadership.com. That's S-H-A-H-M-E-E-N at A-N-J-A-L-I Leadership.com. Now, back to stories from the heart of leadership. Welcome back. This is Shamine Sadek, and you're listening to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. Our topic today is For the Sake of the Children. And I wanted to share my story. <laughs> I've been sharing my story with you every week, so I sort of laugh when I say that. But I think that my story is almost like a, a nested set of, um, imagine an hourglass, if you will. Um, I'm not trying to get you to imagine the part where the sand falls through and you're out of time. I'm more thinking about the structure of an hourglass where there's a bottom base and there's a top base. And if you imagine that instead the sand is flowing upwards, which I know is um, gravity won't allow for that, but um, I feel like there's a nested system of these that is my story. And in my larger life story, there are just many, many, many hourglasses filling from the bottom upwards. So um, if that visual helps, that's great. If it confuses you, I apologize. Um, that's just how I'm seeing it at this moment. And they're kind of nested and and also sequential. Um, so they're together. And sometimes there's a smaller one within a bigger one. And then sometimes there's one after the other one. Um, that's really how it feels at this moment. So let me bring it into some leadership frames that might be helpful. I believe that there are things that we want to accomplish or achieve in our life. And you can call them goals. You could call them targets. You could call them visions. You can call them whatever you like. But something that matters that we feel we want to create. And for me, uh, a number of years ago, I had a feeling that what I wanted to create was this this life where I was working with human beings. I was out in the world, traveling a lot, uh, going to work with leaders, uh, sitting with them, having deeper conversations about leadership, helping them to be more effective. That was a vision that I had. And at the time when that vision became apparent to me, I was not doing that. I was doing something else and I was on my way to making some changes so that I could do that, but I didn't have it yet. And over the years, over the last eight years, I have done that. I have created that and I do do that. And that is my current reality. That is how I spend my time these days. And... Uh, over the last few months, and I know I've been sharing this with you, I've been noticing that there are some patterns that I live in that are rather limiting and that I'm no longer interested in living. One of them is the one where I, I work really hard. 
I hit it out of the park. You know, I go, I go to these sessions and I lead them and everybody gives me fives out of five on all fronts. And I feel good when I come back because I hit it out of the park and I get rewarded for that. And people acknowledge me for that. And then I'm utterly exhausted and I can't do anything for a couple of weeks. And I have to stay home and stay in bed. And if you saw me during that time, you'd be like, who is that? It don't look anything like that person who was out there um, doing such great work. Recently, I had the opportunity to work with a, a, long-term, a long-term client, someone that I'm working with over a long period of time. So it doesn't feel as um, the, the changes don't need to happen immediately. We're in a journey together and everybody's aware of that. And I spent two days with this group working and I felt very much like I was not hitting it out of the park. And I wondered at night in between the two days, am I not serving them well? Have I done something wrong? Uh, something isn't quite like... I had this feeling like there's no euphoria here, but there is a sense of peacefulness and that's different than how I usually feel when I'm in these experiences. So I just hung, I just hung out with that feeling and that question. And by the end of the second day, some of the members of that team were giving me some feedback about how effective the time was, how useful it was to them and how meaningful it was. So I was able to see that on the outside or the outside impact that I was having was equally powerful, but it wasn't costing me as much in terms of that high euphoric kind of energy. Um, it was more peaceful for me to be in it that way. So that was um, a little clue uh, that I could do this differently and that that indeed is possible. The other thing that I um, uh, have experienced recently is an ending. So something that I was doing um, that I was doing a lot of is coming to a close. It's not completely over, but the scope of it or the range of it will be a lot less than it was before. And it's not worth talking about the details. That's not as important. But what I realize is that as there is an ending, there's an opening. And this opening has led me into wanting to talk with you more about this, this notion of building resilience that I've named as my feeling or my contribution to the, to the solution to many of the things that I see happening in organizations, in countries, in the world, in families. This is my contribution to us, I guess, us as a, as a race, okay, as a human race. This is my contribution is to help build resilience. And I want to be a catalyst for that resilience building. I I have some ways to help with that. And then there are many other ways that I want to include and invite others to, to help um, to do this together. So this isn't something that I want that is only me. It's something that I think um, a whole bunch of us could be involved in and just about everybody could avail themselves of. But anyway, back to this um, notion of how things gestate and how things lead to the next thing. What I realized when this this thing ended, or I was informed that there was going to be an ending to something that I was very excited and happy about doing and have done for many years, I noticed that I didn't feel devastated. When that news came, I did not feel devastated. And that's huge. Now, we're talking about resilience. That's what I mean. If that news had come 18 months ago or two years ago or five years ago or maybe even six months ago, 
it would have knocked me off of my game. It would have knocked me off of center. It would have torn my heart out and it would have devastated me. And I noticed that that was not how I felt. That was not the reaction that I had. Did I feel disappointed and sad and feel a loss? For sure. Yes. I'm not going to tell you that I didn't feel those things. I did. But what I didn't feel was devastated and um, and hopeless and uh, all of the other things that I th- think I would have felt had this happened um, earlier in my life. And so I attribute that to a certain amount of resilience that I have built. And I have not built this by myself. I've built this because I, I work with with my own coaches, my own um, guides, my own therapists, and, and others who are in the professions that I am in, I work with them on my stuff. I take my stuff to to people who are professional and who work with humans. And I say, here, here's what's going on with me. Help me, you know, um, I want to take a look at it. I want to see if I can you know, stop living certain patterns and maybe start living some new ones. Uh, all of that has contributed to a certain amount of resilience that I now can tap into, that I now have available to me. Does it, does it mean that bad things won't happen? No. Does it mean that I'll never get knocked off my center? No. But it does mean to me that I'll be able to come back to that center. I'll be able to come back to that firm ground that I've built. So I'm not walking on eggshells and I'm not walking on clouds. I'm not going to fall down into a hole and be lost forever. I might just fall down. I might just end up on the floor with my, maybe with my face in the mud from time to time, but I'll be able to stand up. And when I stand up, that same ground that was there, all that I, that I have created with the help of all of these, these um, people who have helped me, that we, you know, we've created this ground that I can then come back to. That's what I'm talking about. And so when this ending happened, it created some space. It created some space in my calendar, and it created some space in my emotional field and in my mental field, I suppose as well for me to think about these things that I've been thinking about for a long time. What got me into this work in the first place was the feeling that I wanted to do work that had me closer to the people I was serving. I didn't want to be a bureaucrat sitting in a government office making some policies that I never was going to actually live and breathe and and experience what their impact was. I didn't want to be so far removed. Hey, hey, those are important things to do. Somebody else can do those. Those are not the things that I wanted to do. What I wanted to do is work more with people to um, feel that there was something that I was doing that was serving people more directly. And so I sought opportunities to work in different areas, to look for different jobs, and eventually that led me into becoming a certified coach. And then as I embarked in that realm, I found myself working with leaders and I realized that, um, you know, leaders, uh, work for organizations, uh, organizations have a budget for paying for this leadership development. I want to help these people be more effective. And, you know, this is a way I can do that and make a living and all of that at the same time. And so I began to think about my work as a, um, and call myself a leadership development consultant. And that was wonderful and broadening and it took me forward into wonderful experiences and to meet wonderful people 
people and I could talk for hours about all the gifts that that journey has given me. And now I'm standing in a different place where I'm, I've created that and I have that and I can continue doing that. It doesn't um, negate anything that's happened so far, but I want to broaden what I'm doing so that I can be part of this solution that um, John Ballant is calling for in his article. I don't want to be part of the stopgap measures, um, although those are useful and very vital as well. I want to work on the root causes here. I want to contribute to the the solving of those root problems. I want to contribute to the healing of the roots. And the and what I believe is that the roots uh, is at root is us, us as humans. We are connected. We are sharing that root system. So it's one thing to say, I'm going to make them change and be different and they should be different and they should do this and they should do that. What it brings me back to is how will I be different? And so I want to end the show by talking a little bit more about that. And then next time when I am with you again, I'll share more about what I am stepping into and and what's next and how you can play with me there, um, either as a colleague or as a um, participant or a beneficiary of whatever it is. I, I will tell you more about that then. But for now, let's bring it back to us as individuals. Um, Gandhi says, you must be the change you want to see in the world. And so if you want things to be different out there, you must begin here. So if any of what I have said has resonated with you, I invite you to put it into practice at home. How can you connect to your spouse um, if you're separating or uh, in a dispute or in some sort of uh, disagreement with your spouse? How can you connect to him or her as a fellow human being? How can you address the problem without attacking the human being? For the sake of you, your well-being, his or her well-being, and also for the sake of your children. Separation is normal. It happens. People are in each other's lives for a chapter sometimes. Sometimes it's not going to be forever. I think if we could come to terms with that, that would give us some more resilience to be able to um, navigate the separation with more dignity. And so I invite you to begin to build resilience right now yourself. Um, begin to b- build firmer ground under your own feet and under the feet of your children. And again, if you need some help with that, send me an email. I can help you and I know others who can as well. Again, my email address is s-h-a-h-m-e-e-n at a-n-j-a-l-i leadership.com. That's it from me for this week. Thank you so much for being with me. Uh, Go take care of yourself and your kids, and I will look forward to being with you next time. Until then, take good care. Thank you so much for joining us today for Stories from the Heart of Leadership. Shamin Sadiq will be back next Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hope you'll come back as well. Have a wonderful week, and remember... We are all members of this great human family. You are not alone. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericaempowerment.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 